Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hi, it's Anna David bringing you After Party Pod, the podcast you know and love, or welcome. Oh my God, are you here for the first time? Holy crap, do not record podcasts when the World Cup is on. No, that cheering that you might have just heard, actually they were cheering for my podcast, has nothing to do with soccer. Anyway, hi, this is a podcast all about addiction, recovery, mental illness, all the fun stuff. And I'm your host, Anna David. I also edit After Party Chat, the accompanying podcast, which is great. Obviously, I'm going to say that because I edit it, but it is great. Um, Today's guest is so great. I'm going to stop using the word great. She actually deserves a better superlative. Her name is Stephanie Wilder Taylor, and you know her. She was a good get. She hosts with Lynette Carolla. For crying out loud on the Corolla Network, Ace, you know, that's what they call it. And she is a best selling author of many books, and she is a stand up comedian, and she has her own television show, and she's, she's everywhere all the time. And she is terribly well known for, she wrote these books that were basically about being a mom who partied. And she's got this acerbic wit, and she is one of those, I feel like she was one of the first, no, I don't feel like, she was one of the first mothers to put out there, hey, this ain't all perfect, you know, uh, this is, the, you know, and she just didn't, you know who really, and then Kelly Oxford kind of stuck, followed her, huh, copycat. Anyway, um, so she wrote these books, and, and they really promoted that lifestyle, and after she published two of them, she started to realize that maybe there might be a problem with her drinking. And so then she wrote a blog post about getting sober and it kind of, suddenly the New York Times wrote about it and, um, and she was all over the place. And I think that that is incredibly effective for people who uh, think it's all fun and games and here's this woman who makes this all look so fun and so normal and look how glamorous her life is. And then to see that, oh, God, these people cannot stop cheering for my podcast. Um, to see that it's not all uh, what it, you know, it's not all fun and games. I mean, sure, look, it's fun and games for some people, but not for alcoholics. Anyway, um, she has now been sober for a few years. We just completely hit it off. We had interacted years ago, uh, but because of circumstances beyond both of our control, uh, it, there was like a problem and I always thought, oh, she probably doesn't like me very much. And, and there you go. But we get into all of that. So this is Cliff Notes. And I hope the sound is better. Uh, I've worked out some of the sound issues. Obviously, email me if you don't think they're really worked out. As always, we love your reviews. 
on um, the iTunes. Great if you email me. Better, I want to say, if you... It's like an iTunes review is like emailing me, but you're also emailing all my potential listeners, okay? I'm not saying I don't love your emails. I love your emails. Okay, with that, I give you Stephanie Wilder Taylor. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my God, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? I start real cash, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fine. Right? So we we just had the most amazing uh, first meeting, catch gossip, not gossip, healthy. Some venting, maybe some, some venting. Processing. So good that we couldn't <laughs> record, but that was that was just super fun because mm-hmm. I feel like we've been in each other's orbits for a long time, and I had that experience editing your story four, four years ago, and and um, and it's it's just really fun to meet someone that you've been hearing about and reading for so long. Yeah, same here because you were on my podcast and I wasn't there that day. I don't remember why, because I'm there every time. I think I might have been doing my show. So I, yeah. for some reason I couldn't do it and maybe I was shooting, anyway. Well, And, and I, I was so bummed. Well, and I was like, oh, I, I hope she doesn't dislike me because of, you know, mm-hmm. editing this nightmare site. No, not at all, or, or you wouldn't have been on the show. Not to, right. not to right, be right, so right. like, but it's my show too. If I, right. I could have just been, I'm, there's plenty of people that I say no to. But I, yeah, and I was like, that's why she's not here. No. I, I like to make I, up I stories was, in my I, head. I didn't want you to feel paranoid about it. I should have emailed you at the time and been like, I'm so sorry I wasn't there. No, I was good. I didn't, I thought maybe you were just irritated at me. No. But I wasn't, it wasn't enough that I would have been like, oh, I'm not going to go to the podcast because she didn't I know, like me. As if I'm that important, you know, in no, but your I world. Understand why you would, <laughs> no, I understand why you would think that just because I think we, after I wrote the piece for you, I feel like at the at the, the our last communication, I right. think you you said, um, "Look, this is just how this business is," or something. Right, right. And I don't know what else to tell you. And right. Then we didn't really talk. Well, and especially because you were going to write some more for me. That I remember. Oh, right, right, right. And, and, and it was just was... one of these things where it was like you weren't being difficult. I, I was in this terrible position where I had to do what a superior was saying, even yeah. though I didn't agree with him. Yeah. And I was in that situation all the time with him. And that, that was one that stuck out as, oh, I, I'm so bummed I can't tell the truth and, and, and get out of this. Yeah, you know? yeah. It wasn't even a, it wasn't even a huge deal. No, it, it wasn't. Fine. And I it felt wasn't. like you actually did have my back. I did. I, I, I felt did. like I felt like I was just being very high maintenance, and that right. you were probably like, "Oh my god, enough of this girl. No. Like, write your story and move on." I can't like be baby holding your hand the whole time. No, and not at all. I was like, you know what? Maybe it was too soon. Maybe I shouldn't have because I was being very honest. No, I know, and in that, that was good. Story. And then I felt like, oh, I put in this, and what I'm referring to is that um, part of my story is that the last time I drank, I got pretty drunk at a play date and then drove home with my kids in the car. Right. And it was, it was the thing that got me sober. Right. And it was my defining moment. You know, I hate the word bottom sometimes because like people can have so many, so many things we can do that we look back and go, God, I can't believe that didn't make me stop drinking. Right. So many worse things than what actually happened. Right. Right. What I call it is I had a real moment of clarity where I saw exactly 
what was actually going on in my life. Almost like I was above it looking down. I went to sleep that night drunk and, and in the morning I woke up and I was like, wow, right. What have I done? I mean, everybody was fine. That was the thing. I didn't get caught. And they didn't know, right? I mean... Well, my kids didn't know. They were young. They were yeah, babies. but did your husband? My husband, yes. That's what happened is my husband greeted... My husband... Okay, the story is, I went to this woman's house who was a big drinker and a mom. Mm-hmm. And I went with another friend of mine. And she was like, you're going to love these people. They like to party. They lay, they get together and they have martinis on mm-hmm. Friday nights. And you're going you're gonna to love these women. Mm-hmm. So... And I did. Right. I was like, well, these are my people. Right, right, You know, right. and it was just, like, I felt like it was old times. And I've always been somebody who, like, missed my old life a bit of being, not having kids and working in the business. And I would vote for TV. And I worked in offices with a lot of creative people and right. fun people. And no one had kids. And I felt like I'd been thrown into this life of... Suddenly, I had children and lived in the suburbs, right. and my life was very different, and I resented it. A lot of right. it. I resented that I had to drive a minivan. Right. And I just couldn't wrap my mind around the fact that, like, what, am I going to have to, like, listen to John Mayer music and just, you know, <laughs> Jack Johnson and just, what's happened? What right. happened to me? Where right. am, What happened? Right, right. And I was having, and even, so then I had, tw- I had my first daughter and started having that adjustment period. Then I had twins. Yeah. Suddenly three kids. Yes, and I was very stressed out, and I felt angry a little bit, and like, I deserve to have some drinks. Yeah. That was my thing. Yeah. I liked drinking before I had kids, and I liked it even more after I had kids. Right. Because I was like, this is the thing that I have. Yeah. That I can escape and unwind and relax and have fun and tune into that old me. So I would do that, and obviously it already wasn't working that well. Right. In fact, I'd already tried to quit drinking. So my oldest was four, mm-hmm. four and a half, when this playdate thing happened. But when she was two and a half, before I got pregnant with the twins, I went to, uh, you know, 12 meetings. step. Yeah, I went to meetings because I was like, I hadn't really hit that moment of clarity yeah. yet, but I didn't like where it was headed. Yeah. And my sister-in-law kind of called me on it. I wouldn't call it an intervention, but she was like, what's your, she was, every time I come over in the evening, you're checked out. You seem drunk. Right. And I was like, wow, she doesn't know. She doesn't understand. She doesn't have kids. Right. You know? But it did bother me enough that I was like, maybe I could use something, figure this out. So I called a friend who was sober. Mm -hmm. She took me to a meeting. And I... I got a little caught up in it, as I tend to do, and I cried, and I was like, oh, I wow, don't want to be a drunk mom. Oh, you shared? I shared. Okay, wow. I mean, I'd been to 12-step meetings many times before with friends, supporting yeah, yeah. them, but yeah. this was the first time that I felt like, you know what, I do relate. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think I need this mm-hmm. for that day. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. I went a couple more times, and then I started to get the feeling that we get where you're like, you know what, I think I might have um, overreached Totally. This. This is a little ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, pretty extreme. Yeah, pretty extreme. Yeah. Like, really? Forever? Just, right. Oh, I'm an alcoholic now? I right. don't think so. Right, right, right. That's, first of all, I'm stressed out and I'm a mom. So yeah. I think we can all understand. Why you'd need to drink. Right. Yeah. I'm yeah. stressed out. Yeah. And, you know, uh, hello, drinking's fun. Yeah, I yeah. think what I need to do is really, really figure out, I mean, for real this time, how to moderate. Yeah. Like, that's. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> the missing puzzle piece. Did you check out that program? 
No, but the, I mean, those people, that's so, so ridiculous. I know, it's so ridiculous. We need to talk about those people. Well, did you see that Time story this week? No. Okay, so on Sunday, there was a story by that Gabrielle Glaser, is her name? And she wrote that book. Yeah. So she has... Where she was like, why do we all have to get sober? Let's not... Let's is she... Not got, I, I couldn't read the book. So I, I, I read I it. I haven't read it either. They sent it to me to review. Oh, and no. And I read it and I was... The publicist was so nice. And I was just like, listen, everything... Or to, to, to have her... To interview her for the site. And right. I just said, I vehemently disagree with everything in this book. And so... And the publicist right. said like, oh, I knew you would. But I thought it might be interesting. And I was just like, I can't give publicity to this. Even, you know... Anybody that comes out with these like methods is it they it always comes back to bite them in the ass it I know. always does and it hurts people you know i, know. I, I mean it, it's, i don't get uh, the moderation well as we all know i think kill somebody she, yeah. right you know i was on dr drew's show with her with the moderation management yes. lady are and you serious yeah and let's she, talk about dr drew for one second okay He's okay so cute right <laughs> i love him so much but not like that i, I know, don't look too. at him like that i, I really don't see have that have you been on his hln show yeah no me that's too, the one times, that's yeah. when i was on with audrey oh, um oh. yeah not in a long time and i'm sort of like ready to go back on drew if you're listening um yeah me too he yes and and that was great I, i'm such a such an ardent fan i've known him for a long time. And did you have you done his podcast too? Yeah, I've done that's it fun, a couple that's times. Like, yeah. That's like crack. That's just like an hour of yeah. just you and Drew. I know. Just gazing in each other's eyes. <laughs> See, I don't have No, I know. That. Not like that. But I'm saying, you know what it is? It's the attention. He's very, when he pays attention oh, yeah. to you, he pays attention to you. It's yes. like a drug. Yes. Like he looks in your eyes yes. and listens to and everything you say. And he's there for you. He's so there. I mean, it's funny because the last he's time I was on. a soft place to fall. Yes, such a soft place. <laughs> the last time I was on, I was telling him that I'd been through this terrible time starting the company, and he was like, so genuinely, Anna, you should have called me. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, like, I'm feeling bad. I'm going to call Drew. And he's got a, a big life. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to call people him. people do. Yeah. A lot of narcissistic addicts. I just you know, couldn't do I'm that. I'm sure call him at 3 in the morning. Oh, my God. But Drew, I'm feeling shaky. Right, and he picks up and oh, talks yeah. to them. Comes and I to mean, their house. so house calls with Dr. Drew. <laughs> um, but that's the thing, and that's why it would. I, I hated it so much when he was taking all that flack. You know. Oh, I know. The guy just wants to help people. I know. I, know. I even told him that myself. I was like, that's ridiculous. That anybody celebrity rehab. Look, this is what's really going on. Yeah. So you're not trying. You're not making it worse, and you're, you're mad trying to make it better. And these people are angry at addiction, and I do not blame them. And right. they're looking for a scapegoat, and so right. they're like, "Oh, it's Dr. Drew. I just heard my email. I got a closet. Oh no, I'm gonna turn this off." And and it's just so unfair, and and it's terribly sad that those people died, but they were low, low bottom people right. who maybe lived longer for being on that show. I agree. I completely agree. And the show helped people. Maybe even their deaths helped other people see, like, yeah. this is serious. Yeah. You know, this isn't a joke, and it's not just a reality TV show. Like, these people did not live. Yeah. Because of their addiction. Yeah. Not because something Dr. Drew did. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. So you were on with Moderation Monitor. Yeah. And it was one of the times I was on, and it, I think it totally surprised me. You know, she did one of those remote things, and uh -huh. Drew's like, okay, we're going to go to in jail. Audrey Kilshin. No. I think she, no, she's out. She is so clearly so remorseful, so broken, in she's my opinion. Sober? sober. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And her life is about, you know, righting that wrong as much as she can. And um, 
you know, I, I, I mean... That I, could happen to any... I mean, yeah. I, I personally feel that all alcoholics or addicts will do anything we can to prove to ourselves that we're not bad enough that we can never take drugs yeah. and drink again. Totally. That's our whole thing. Right. We live for it. I've seen it a million times with people I've sponsored, with people, right. women I work with. It's like, we will just hold on to any shred of hope that there's another way. And I As was like that. Easier, softer way. So yeah, was I. I didn't get sober till I was forty-two years old. Yeah, I mean, Be- with many, many bad gosh, things happening. You look so good. Many bad. I'm sorry to just go superficial, but you and Lynette are, without a doubt, the hottest moms that exist. Thank you. You don't look dissimilar either. I mean, you know what I mean? The brown hair. I mean, you guys. I just think we both used to have the big hair, big '80s <laughs> hair. Yeah. We have this. So we come from the same era. Yeah. Um. I remember her being like, oh, I was a Bud Light girl. And I said to her, oh, I was an Amsterdam Light girl. I didn't get she meant she was an actual Bud Light girl. I thought she just oh, meant she drank it. Oh, I didn't know that either. Oh, you didn't know that? No. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Um, but we, we're, we're off on a... About um, the, that she feels remorseful. And yeah. She's, and, and, yeah. So, and so, I mean, it did change my point of view about her. Oh, I you don't know. have any... I'm not walking around going, oh my God, that woman's a horrible woman. But I think that ma- moderation management is a horrible program. I know. I don't think that anybody that can moderate... Does, anybody that can moderate doesn't need a program to help them moderate. Right. They're moderating. Right, they don't right, need, right. They, they're not... And if you can't moderate, that's how you end up going like, oh my God, I think I need help. Yeah. So by the time you've reached out for help, as they say about you know our program, it's the last house on the block. You know, right. That it's, it's pretty much your last resort. Nobody yeah. wants nobody wants to whether it's rehab or whether it's uh, women for sobriety, whatever it is, it's there's shame involved. And really, and you've tried like, everything. oh my god, I have to use the a word on myself. I'm an right. alcoholic. You've right. tried everything. Yeah. So when I see people go like, oh, I'm an alcoholic. But you know what? I think I can moderate. Well, no, you can't. Right. You can't. You've already proven that to yourself. Now, we've all been there. I'm right. not, it's not a judgment. It's more like I don't think there needs to be a program to help That's you such moderate. a good point. I, I had never actually thought about that. If you could moderate, you wouldn't need yeah, a program. Yeah, and the same with harm reduction. I, I, yeah. I need to go down on record as saying I really disagree with that because I think it's another thing that just gives people this hope. Look, if you're going to do harm reduction, then just you, that's what you're going to do. Then just do it. You don't need I to know. start talking about how great harm reduction is. No, I know. I do feel like there are people when it's like junkies who can get on pot and there's no hope for sobriety. But you don't, the problem with that is that you don't know when there's no hope for sobriety. I've seen people on their 18th trip to rehab get sober. Yeah. So 17 rehabs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look what his life would be. If he was like, oh, I'm just going to do harm management. Right. I'm right. just going to be a methadone. But doesn't he not like buy? I think he's into harm. I mean, for other people. I think oh. that's his whole thing. Oh, really? I don't know. I know that he's not a strict 12 step guy. Um, I interviewed him for the Sizemore book. Um, oh, you did? Yeah. He was the world's hardest person to get a hold of. Did you did you see his documentary? I loved it so much. Oh, so good. I know. I love that filmmaker. She's so cool. Oh, I don't know her. But, yeah, but yeah. I, I loved that documentary. It was so good. And I waited for years for it to come out. Do you remember? They kept talking yeah, about it. Yeah. You could see, uh, like, the trailer, and you could see the picture of what it was good, and then it wasn't out, though, for so long. See, I she sent it to me. She's a friend of a friend, and I did a story on her for The Fix, so I got to see it. Oh. I watched it online, which never would I bother to do that, and it was oh. so compelling. Yeah. That um, that I did. And the music was so good. Yeah, the music is good from Bicycle Thief and when and uh, you know, 
But I loved the oh, Dr. Nice. Drew stuff when they had him from being high on Love Lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. I feel like people have this picture of sober people as so pious. Right. You know, it's hard to imagine most people that are sober, they, they think, oh, they're just like big book thumpers or they're just right. going to be lecturing me about... And it's like they forget that the only reason like right. somebody like me is helping somebody like you right. is because I was a huge fuck up. Right, right, right. I was right. a mess. Right. Like, you know what I mean? I was, and, well, it's this misconception that we're judging. And especially right. if they're alcoholic and they're narcissistic and they think what we're thinking about is how how bad they are. Right, right. And it's never like that. Right. I, I don't know if you've ever run into people who used to be sober and aren't. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes, I have. And they, they're just like, uh, I'm not, you know, n-, you know, and they yeah. think you're just, you know, do nothing but tell people they're not sober. And usually <laughs> it's like, I don't care. Have you ever had to buy something at the grocery store, like for somebody else or for a party, and you, like, I have to uh-huh. buy my husband beer? Uh-huh. No, it's just oh, yeah. so funny because I do get wrapped up in my yeah. head of, like, what if I run into oh, somebody? Oh, I wouldn't do it. And they're like, oh. Yeah. Hi. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Looking. Right. You can't see me right now, but I'm pretending to look down in the yeah. cart, in my cart, and yeah. going, like, giving you the sad crown. Because like, oh. nobody would believe you that that's your husband. I know. Nobody. Except for, I have other friends who have the same thing. Like, especially right. if you're married yeah, and yeah. your husband's normal. It's yeah. like, you're going to run into a situation where you got to pick up a six-pack of beer. I mean, I guess I don't right. have to. I could say no, and right. I don't do it all the time. But it's like, well, Right. Well, I'm not going to do it because I'm worried about what other people think. Right, right. I'm not concerned I'm going to drink it, although I will tell you that my husband um, fractured a couple ribs. Mm-hmm. And so I've been sober over five years. He fractured a couple ribs and had to get a prescription for Narco. Uh-huh. Narco? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Narco? Yeah, never took it. I don't know, but just the whole idea of it, it's like, I re- it, it's such a good reminder of what an addict I am. Like, if I ever think which I do sometimes, like, maybe I'm not really right. an alcoholic. Right, All I have to do is know my own body's reaction to knowing that a, a narcotic exists in my house to remind myself, like, I'm not good. Were you crazy? Were you thinking about it? No, it just bothers me. Just the whole idea that it's there. I have had, like, I've looked at it. Mm-hmm. I picked it up. Mm-hmm. I looked at it. Oh, he had 20. I've thought about, what if, okay, what if I took one? What would happen? Like, but, and then I realized, even if I took one, I couldn't enjoy it because I would have to do it when no one's around. Like, well, he couldn't be around. If he caught me, I'd be screwed. Right. So I'd have to take it and then go to bed. Right. And then, like, lay in bed and go, ooh, I'm really high. Oh, now I'm asleep. Well, and not to mention <laughs> the head full of AA and the body full of, Well, of course. Then know? I'd have to lose all my time, too. Well, and so, it wouldn't be fun because your head would be tripping out. Right. I'd be going, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this to myself. Can I undo this? Yeah. Could I go puke it up? Would it right. still count as a slip? Like, right. all that. So I'm not going to do it, but I can't believe how many thoughts I've had about where it would go. I've had to think through my husband's medication. Right. That's sad. You know, I, I um, last year had to take, uh, I, I had a sciatica and I couldn't walk for months uh-huh. on end. And it was the most horrible thing. And we tried everything and every kind of I'm not gonna shot. Yeah, no, and I talked about it yeah. in program. And I, it finally got to the point where I had to take morphine. And the thing that sucks is that I was in so much pain at that point. My friend had to carry me into the doctor's office 
pain management is so crazy. The doctor wouldn't prescribe me because I'd made the mistake of telling him I was sober, so he assumed I was like trying to scam drugs off of him. Right. So I went to this horrible pain management clinic, oh. and and the guy talked for so long, and I was like, I'm in so much pain, I've got to go lie down. And then I was so out of it by the end of his, he wasn't even a doctor. And after an hour and a half, he, I walked out of there with a prescription for morphine, and I was like, oh, wait, I probably should have gotten something not as strong. Anyway, the pain was so bad that I could feel it through the morphine. Um, I had sciatica when I was pregnant, and it was the worst thing ever. Oh, Horrible. God. Yeah, it turns out I have a bulging disc and a disintegrated oh. disc and all this stuff, but it's okay now. And but Did but you have surgery? No, no. Um, steroids got rid oh. of it. Eventually, the right steroids. Uh-huh. But so I took the morphine for two weeks. At first, I was I I had it. I was like, oh my god, this is being high. And then the second week, I was so depressed. I was like suicidal ideation. And so that was a very interesting thing. That is my system. I used to take, you know, opiates. Right. That is how, where my system is. Yeah. Within one week, I don't want to live. And so it took, like, whatever away. And then I kept it. So I stopped taking it. And I kept it thinking, like, oh, the pain might come back. And I kept it for a long time. I never thought about it. And then I flushed it one day. I was like, this is dumb. This is dumb to have yeah. morphine in the house. Anyway, so that was my yeah. experience. But... I mean, I think probably if I was prescribed it, it would be different yeah. because I would have to take it and then I'd have to take it as prescribed and it right. would be, it would bother me. I'm sure it would inflame. Yeah. It, I would have the same reaction as you, but I think it's more the fact that it's not my drugs, yeah. that it's somebody else's that makes it more tempting in like a recreational, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So close. Right. Is this drug that I used to love. But you it's, know? alcohol is so close to every second is the thing, you know? I think maybe I didn't love drinking as much as, like, the thing is, I would have been a pill head had I been at, not, I'm too lazy to be addicted to pills because you have to go through so yeah, much to get them. Yeah, a lot of trouble. So every time I would get a, a subscription, a prescription right. from my doctor, I, I would take them and I would think, oh, this is this is it. Right. This is how I want to feel all the time. But then I would run out. I would take them all, right? And then I'd be like, of course. Oh, how am I going to get more? I'm going to have to doctor shop. Right, right, right. How am I going to do like Yeah. Whereas if I drink, I can just go to Trader Joe's and get a bottle of wine. Yeah. So much easier lifestyle. Now, True. the wine didn't make me feel as good as the pills. Right. And I never really liked pot. So pot right, would be either. easy to get, but I just I hate being high. It makes me anxious and paranoid. Same. So I was like, what, I, I mean, I love being high on pills. It's like, I like, and, I, and after I've taken it for a couple of days, it's not fun anymore. Yeah. It's only the first couple times you take it, if you haven't taken it in a while, is su- such an amazing feeling. Ah, oh, I know. I'm not know. trying to trigger anybody. No, here. but it's, it's like true. remembering that I have the, um, the glamorizing of that first feeling, but I always know, and I would know if I, okay, so let's say I start ordering them from Canada. Right. Now I have to pay a lot of money for the pills. They're going to come in a package. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be asked what they are. I'm going to have to screen the mail. I'm going to have, mm-hmm. like, it's a, like a lot is so going to be steps. involved. Yeah. And how am I going to explain that charge? Like, yeah. What are you ordering from Canada? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you could be like feminine things I can't talk about. Um, so, yeah. So I could never be a pill addict. Yeah. You know, I'll just tell you, I would drive to Mexico. You could. It was so crazy. I don't know that that exists anymore. My friends like we just go to a pharmacia, and they gave you a sheet. I mean, I'm talking, you know, poster board size, not that big, and it was just pills. Oh, yeah. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, I only did it once, but I got a big supply. 
Um, but you know, the thing is, I could take opiates back then, and 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 it would work for a long time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could keep doing it, and and I. Um, and I could be really high on pills, and people wouldn't notice. Yeah. Of course, I thought they didn't notice. But well, I've been really high on drugs around my husband, and he did not know. Right. Whereas I could have just a couple too many drinks, and he'd right. be going up my ass, going like, "How much have you had to drink?" Right, right, right. What? So okay, so so did you just? So you didn't you didn't ever get into cocaine or anything like that. Um, I got into cocaine when I was young. I moved to LA when I was only eighteen mm-hmm. on my own mm-hmm. with, with a girlfriend who was seventeen. And where are you from? Um, well, I was born in New York, mm-hmm. but then when I was two, my family moved to LA. Okay, lived here till I was twelve. Then my mom had remarried and wanted to have like a more normal life, so we moved to Spokane, Washington when I started junior high. Okay. Then we moved to Springfield, Massachusetts for a couple of years of high school. And then when I, as soon as I graduated high school, I moved back to LA mm-hmm. where I felt like it was home for right. me and had more creative pursuits. I didn't go to college. Mm-hmm. I skipped that whole, mm-hmm. I thought I would later. I thought I was deferring it, but mm-hmm. I just never ended up doing it. And you, and you started waiting tables and doing comedy. Is that? I started waiting table. Like my first job, this is a, a little bit crazy. I, I forgot to tell you this. My very first job, like a week into living in LA, was in this building. What? Doing telemarketing. Yes. What? 70, I, lived, I lived on El Cerrito Place with okay. my very first apartment oh, yeah. in LA. Wow. We're on El Cerrito Place. Yeah, basically. we are. So, like a half a block up was my apartment building. Okay. Which is no longer there. It was. It's a different apartment building now. And then I found in the paper, like the classifieds, a telemarketing job. I didn't really know what it was. And it was in this building, wow. which is why I wanted the job because I was like, "Oh, it's on. It's right yeah, here. It's walking, I can just it's a walk, walk away walk across yeah. the street." Yeah, and it was um, in this building selling That's office supplies. So I did so that crazy. for a couple of years. Not the office supplies, but like random jobs. Mm-hmm. Worked at a life insurance company, and then I got I started waiting tables, and because I wanted to do stand up, right? Started doing right. stand up at like twenty three. Right. Right. And oh, but before that, mm-hmm. um, I started doing cocaine like when I was 18, mm-hmm. maybe 19 to 20 for mm-hmm. like a year, and I loved it so much. But I would have, I would get, I don't, I'm not an uppers person, so I would get really like tweaky, yeah, and not be able to drink or enjoy myself. Like, I would just right. get super intense in my head, right? And right, want right. to talk to people, right? And like. Almost like people describe ecstasy, maybe. Just like right. super intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the come down was so awful. Yeah. Like I would just want more. Yeah. More than anything I've ever taken, I wanted more. Yeah. Like I have to have more. And then I would watch people go in the bathroom together and I'd be like, oh my God, they're doing coke without me. Right. And it would just bring up all these feelings of always feeling left out right. or I'm never going to have enough. Like, right. you know, so right. I really had to just go... I can't do this drug. Right. It was my first taste of going, I could be an addict. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I would do it, and then somebody, I'd go to a party or a nightclub, and somebody would have it, and I would do it. Right. Without thinking. Right. And then I had to really just go, you you can't do this anymore. One night, went out all night, was doing, like, mounds of cocaine off some old guy's credit card. Right. And I was like, look at me. Yeah. What would I do? How far would I go? I don't want to find out. Yeah, so yeah, I yeah. stopped and I never did it again. Wow. Which added to my feeling of like I don't need right. I don't need a program. Right. I can right. stop things on my own. Yeah, and I love that people do that and they think it, and it is amazing. I certainly couldn't stop cocaine on my own, you know, and keep drinking. But that people think that's the solution. Right. You know? Right. 
Um, and I did, you know, before AA or before 12 step, excuse me, I bought all the like why 12 step doesn't work books, Yeah. you know, and I was like, I'm not doing this. And then when I went there, um, I would just started to tell people how I could keep, I just had to quit cocaine. Right. And I could keep drinking and, and nobody was that interested in what I had to say. <laughs> well, cause it's such a typical, yeah. every time I'm dealing with somebody, they will tell me all the other things in their life. I have one person I'm working with right now who's like, it's not the drinking, it's my marriage. Right. That's what's the actual problem. Right. When right. that works out, right. for however it works out, then I won't need to drink as much. Right. And I totally get that. Right. Because I thought it was having kids. Yeah. It wasn't until I quit drinking that I went, oh, I've always drank like that. It just was, it was, it ebbed and flowed. If I was doing more cocaine, I wasn't drinking as much. Right. If I was smoking pot more, I wasn't. When I was fully into having an eating disorder, right. I was not as focused on drinking. Right, I drank, but that wasn't my drug. Yeah. Yeah. My drug was binging and purging. That was when what I did was to that. Escape. That was early on in LA times. Mm-hmm. That was like I did that to cope with living in LA, mm-hmm. the stress of it. So, and then I got, and then I went to OA mm-hmm. when I was. 21? Mm-hmm. Tw- yeah, between 21 and 22, I went to OA. I don't know if it really worked. I look back in old journals I kept, and I fi- I think back and think I wasn't doing the deal. Right. I didn't have a sponsor. But right. I read these old journals, and I was like, I need to find God, and God's going to... And I and then I went on a Caribbean vacation. Mm-hmm. I won a trip on Hollywood Squares. Oh, my God. I went to Jamaica. Uh-huh. I seriously had a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to stop the bulimia, and I've been in therapy mm-hmm. and going to OA. And then I went to Jamaica, and I laid on this raft, and I had like I was like, the world is so much bigger than what's inside my head. Mm-hmm. I, I can't even explain it. It wasn't like God spoke to me. It was like, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. I'm making myself miserable. Like there's so much out here. It doesn't always. Not everything has to be about. The con- that this control. Wow. And I let go, and I didn't do it again. Wow. That behavior. Yeah. I had food issues, right. and I dealt with those, and I still remained in therapy. Right. And I did work. Right. You right. know what I mean? But that behavior, which was the crux of my problem, yeah. I stopped doing. Yeah. I mean, what a what an ideal place to have a spiritual awakening I on know. a raft in Jamaica. I know. You know? Um, it's so weird, those moments. Um, but nothing ever took away the drinking, right. I should say. Well, really? So Weren't you worried about calories? No, I mean, I mean, nothing ever. I could, I never just could quit drinking on my own. Yeah. Like, yeah. every time I would have a bad experience, with every time I some, some other the behavior stopped and the drinking got more, right. or I would just get hammered at a party and sleep with a random guy, right. or be so hungover I needed to go to the emergency room the next day. How many times did that happen? Well, so, the thing is, I would tell myself, because I also get migraines. Oh, right. So right. The, the high hangover would cause a migraine. Right. So, and there was nothing, I couldn't get rid of them. Right. You know I mean? So I would end up at the ER. Right. Because I was throwing up and having... Oh, that's horrible. So it was hard to know if I was really going to yeah. the ER for a migraine or yeah. for a hangover. Did they ask you if you drank or no? Sometimes I would say, yeah, I had a few drinks. Right, right, right. And yeah. nobody really cared that much. Yeah. So I don't know, probably over my lifetime, maybe five times. Mm-hmm. 
not not nothing. It's not. It's no. not. I get migraines too, and I always feel like I need to go to the hospital. But then I'm like, how would I get there? And like, what you know? Yeah. And, and really, and, yeah. and I'm just going to be in this pain there while waiting. Right. Right. Um, Here, here's a good um, story of that. So I had to go to this blogging conference. Mm-hmm. This is when. So I'd already had a book out mm-hmm. called "Sippy Cups Are Not for Chardonnay," right. which had alcohol in the title. Yeah, of and course. It was all about being yeah. a ballsy mom who likes to drink and right. drink on. Okay? Crazy. Yes. I was doing a book signing for this book in San Francisco at a conference. Um, and I got so drunk, it was a Saturday night, and I w- pe- we had drink tickets, people were giving me their drink tickets, I was getting my drink on. Mm-hmm. I got really drunk, as I tend to do, in a, any situation where it's an open bar, mm-hmm. or where I'm just like, I, I have no off switch, mm-hmm. as you know most alcoholics right. feel. But I also just can get really drunk in those situations. You know, sometimes I can control it if I'm not supposed to get drunk. Right. But once I'm at this point where I'm feeling good, then I just want to keep feeling good. And then I get drunk no matter, and I don't think I'm drunk. Right. And then I have really embarrassing conversations with people. Right. So I was drinking, 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 drinking. The next morning, I don't remember the end of the night. I, I don't remember how I got back to my hotel room. Right. Now, I had a book signing. The whole reason I was there, right. my company had paid for the trip, mm-hmm. had paid for everything, had sent the books. The right? publishing company. The publishing company right. had paid for my entry fee to the blogging conference. They paid for my hotel room. Mm-hmm. They paid for my transportation. And they paid, they paid, they had all the books sent there. Right. It was my first book, too, right, you know. Right. And highly unusual for a publishing house to do that. Well, the book was already doing well because I'd right. gotten on the Today Show. Right. So they were behind me at this right. point. Right, right, right. But there was pressure. I mean, it was like... Right. And I was... Anyway, long story short, I wake up. I'm so hungover, I can't move. Like, I wake up and I puke. Mm-hmm. And my head feels like there's a knife in it. And I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, my book signing was, say, at maybe at 11 mm-hmm. or 10.30 Maybe at 11. And now it's, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning and I'm so sick. And right. I'm like, what am I going to do? And I'm thinking, if I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do the book signing. Not right. like this. Right. So then I go, like, I call the front desk. And I'm like, is there, like, a doctor right. in the hotel? Right. No. Okay. I'm like, what? Because I have Imitrex, but I, for some reason, maybe I didn't have the prescription with me. I'm like, maybe I could get... I don't know what I ended up having to get in, get a cab. Mm-hmm. Worst, this was not my bottom, by the way. Right. I get a cab. I have to have the cab driver pull over so I can puke. Mm-hmm. More than once. Right. I go to the hospital and they won't give me like uh, narcotics. Right. Because the guy's like, well, I'm going to give you magnesium and I'm going to rehydrate your system. And so I had to lay there in a hospital going, I did this to myself. Right, right. Worst hangover ever. Right. I'm laying in a hospital with an IV, uh, trying to hurry the fuck up so I can go to my book signing. Right. It was so embarrassing, you know? Right, right. Not enough to make me stop drinking. But, and you did Enough it? to make me go, I'm never going to drink again. Right. Until the next week. Right. Never going to drink again when I have a book signing the next day right. in San Francisco. Right. <laughs> um. So you did it? You got through the, the signing? I got, Yeah. And, and you I, didn't, yeah. Yeah, wow. no, I was better by the time I had, I mean, I was not feeling well, right. but I was not throwing up, and I the headache was muted enough to get through the book signing. Um, okay, and so when did you start writing? Um, well, I've written for TV shows from the time I was like in my 20s. I got a job on a game show in right. my 20s, mm-hmm. writing funny questions for a, a dating show. And then I did that for 
for a few years. Mm -hmm. And then I got married. Okay, so I did that for like 10, maybe a little bit longer. Then I got um, the last show, I got pregnant right afterwards. Mm -hmm. I got married and I got pregnant. And then I had a baby and then I was like, oh my God. I can't go to work at one of these shows because mm -hmm. it's like a 10, 12 hour day mm -hmm. plus a commute. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to hire a nanny for my kid to work on a crappy show. Right. Like it's not even like I'm on a sitcom. Right. You know right. what I mean? Where it's not even enough money for that. So um, I, I thought, well, I'm going to start a blog mm -hmm. because it was the only way I knew, it's the only outlet I could think of at the time to right. write something and feel like I could send it to people. And so I started a blog and I sent it to my girlfriend. Chelsea Handler mm -hmm. and she just as a friend just I sent it to her I sent it to my sister I sent mm -hmm. it to my two other girlfriends mm -hmm. and then the next day I get a call from Chelsea's agent and he's like this is a book this is you should write a book wow and I was like oh I mean I would love that yeah and then um he got me a book deal wow and you just knew her from the comedy world I knew her from comedy yeah um, and she wasn't the Chelsea Handler she is today. Did she have her show already? No, she had. She was on Girls Behaving Badly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It might, that might have ended at the, around this time. She was before her first book came out. Yeah, wow. Yeah, so she, I, right during that time, she might have booked her first talk show, but it was a different incarnation. It was for E, but it was a different show. Right. It was before the show she has now. So, and so this guy says, how long from that call to the book? Well, so he's like, well, what else do you have? And he said, have you ever, have you written other stuff? And I was like, yeah, hadn't. Yeah. yeah nothing. Yeah. I'm, I had nothing to show for my, I mean, I had submissions for Letterman. Right. I mean, nothing right. like, nothing that was a long form, anything like that would go in a book. Yeah. I've literally written one blog post. Right. It was a funny blog post. Jesus. I'm not going to lie. Okay. It was funny. I'd had a couple glasses of wine, and I'd just, like, in a, in a, written this screed of, like, I hate this mom life. Like, I just refuse to be somebody who goes to Target every day and puts on blue eyeshadow and cuts, <laughs> right. you know, bangs. Right. Like, I, like, it can't, this can't be all there is. Right. You know? So, um, and I thought it was pretty harsh. Like, yeah. It's just for my friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and this was like a gay guy. Uh, I don't know if you on Real Housewives. No, Brandy and, has her gay gent. Yeah, that's no, him. I, that's so weird. I well, I know that guy because well, Chelsea and Marco I. Bizarre. Yes, okay. Chelsea and I, he used to be at Inkwell, which is where I am. Oh, okay. And we uh, we were under the same imprint, Regan Books. And when Regan Books disbanded, oh, okay. they had two books they decided to go ahead and publish. Oh. And it was mine and her second book. And, well, her second book did a lot better than mine is my only point. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, he was involved. And then I actually met with Brandy because I uh, was going to do her book. I mean, oh, I really? had I had a, a thing. And I was this guy, David Villano, who sold uh, the Sizemore book, who sells celebrity books. Um, he and I met with her, oh. and she was like, look, this agent had, like, told me he wanted this, and he never moved forward. Let's do it. And then our being interested in that big agent being interested got Michael Broussard to move. So oh. she called me and was like, look, this first guy, he was here first. And, and I mean, a wise decision. Her book was huge. Uh, oh wait, who was she talking about? Michael she was Brooks? yeah, because he had she had met him. Oh, you wanted to meet with her to be like to to write her book, to write it. Okay, yeah, so who wrote it then? 
Somebody else. Okay, so she was working with... Somebody that he brought. No, she had a girl she was working with. Okay. And had met him. And he said, yes, let's do it. And then, like, many agents just went MIA. Right. So then... He went MIA on me, too, by the way. But Chelsea is who Chelsea is. Is he still your agent? Oh, no, no, no. He quit being an agent. Yeah, to be an editor. Okay. Yes, to be a... um, no, he was gonna be. He was just gonna be freelance, like an A and R person for books. He just right. wanted to work with celebrities right. and, and go have celebrities and then bring them and yeah. have not like a real deal with anybody. Who blames him? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. yeah, but and then he became a manager for a while. He might be an agent again. Well, yeah. I mean, he was definitely. Well, he was definitely at Inkwell, my agency, and then he was at It Books, uh, at Harper Perennial and Harper and Regan. Right. I even think. Okay. I don't know. He's definitely been in the periphery. Right. And so our interest got him to move. So then Brandy called me and said, look, I was working with them first. Okay. So sorry, I'm going to go back. And it was fine. She was so yeah. like, honorable about it. Right. And, right. Um, and so whoever that writer was that you worked with did the book. You know? Right. Um, yeah. I was super honorable because I said I, I'd, ha- I'd have to be with this agent. Who like ended up totally screwing me over? No, he's fine, but you know. Don't anyway, they all? Yes, except my now she's the sweetest ever. She's not a shark, you know. She's what? Not a shark. I, yeah, I decided yeah, yeah. I was at WME and I had the meanest woman I had ever encountered really? in my life. All she did was go, "Sweetie, this book is never going to see the, the time of day," you know. And I decided that no, no, like I get to brag at being at WME was worth the the soul hurting. That it took. So my agent at um, ICM, uh, basically, well, she wrote me kind of a kiss off letter mm-hmm. and then unfriended me on Facebook. Amazing, amazing, classic. Yeah. Oh, I wrote my this. friend who was also with her was like, you have to see her status update. So I go to look at oh, yeah. her status update and I can't access it. And I'm like, oh my god, that's so weird. Like right. I can't. Right. And then I was like, maybe did she something's wrong? Like I was that naive. Yeah. I'm like. Who would unfriend? I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah I um, when I wrote this agent to lie and say you have been amazing, but I'm gonna <laughs> move on. She never responded. Never. Nice. You know. Yeah. And they actually came back. Oh, it doesn't even matter. We're getting way off topic. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it was on a fourth step. Is all I can say. <laughs> so so okay. So so he sells your book. Yeah. Okay. He sold the book. Yeah. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, Cinderella's story. now I have a baby. Yeah. And I was praying for what could... I need to have a job that yeah. doesn't involve going to an office. Yeah. And so now, even though the advance was small. Right. You know, but I was like, it's still enough money to supplement. Like, it was either going to be no money this year. Yeah. Or now I made 30, 30 grand. Was not a first bad first advance. advance. No, not for na- now. Now it's a dream. Now it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But at the time, yeah. people yeah, yeah. were getting, de- you know, huge deal money. Yeah. But I was a first time author. I had yeah. no track record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just liked my voice. Yeah. I didn't even write a proposal. I wrote, uh, just to go back, he said, do you have anything else? And I said, yes. And he said, great. And then he said, well, send me what the chapters would be, a few of the chapters. So I naively, I was like, okay. So I wrote down some ideas for chapters with like a little blurb, like a couple of funny sentences about what that chapter would be that I never heard from him. Mm -hmm. So I was like, well, that's weird. Like that's Mm -hmm. what he told me to write. So I wrote to him and he wrote some like, yeah, this is not what I'm, this is not going to sell a book. Mm -hmm. Something really... 
dismissive and dismissive and not elaborating and mm-hmm. I was like oh okay and he goes I need something like what you sent before what what was you sent me before which I hadn't sent him anything mm-hmm. Chelsea had mm-hmm. so I was like oh he wants more actual like oh I actually have to write something right bummer right so then I sat down and I wrote over a few weeks I wrote three essays that were like five pages I wrote like 15 pages mm-hmm and then I sent him that, and then he was like, fantastic, okay, I'm going to sell this. Which and is nothing, I mean, which is almost unheard of for oh, a first-time author. I mean... I know. I know of one author, and it was Sean Wilsey who did this. Like, that's the only author I've ever heard of on a first time not having to write the whole book. Well, I think I caught a little wave because nobody was writing these kind of... I yeah. wrote a parenting book that was such an anti... Right. Like, it was such a, just in my own voice... There were, to be honest, like I was, there weren't many stand-up comics that had babies. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? So, still aren't. There still aren't. Yeah. Not, I came from a a place of writing like edgy, funny stuff on TV, and then right. I brought that to like my own to a book, and my right. opinions. I didn't know better. I didn't know how judgy people were or how what how we're supposed to talk about parenting. I didn't know right. better. I literally didn't know better because I wasn't reading other people's books. And in fact, to do a little compare so that I could do some comparison, I picked up Jenny McCarthy's book, mm-hmm. which was the only other book that was similar to what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Her book was on pregnancy. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't really in danger of being the same exact thing and I was like Oh, she's writing these little chapters. Mm-hmm. She's just very conversational. So mm-hmm. I'm like, so that's what you do. Mm-hmm. So I wrote about like, hey, I didn't love my baby at first sight. Mm-hmm. Hey, I didn't breastfeed and screw these people that tell you you have to breastfeed. Mm-hmm. All these things that ended up getting horrible reviews on Amazon, like the certain right. chip where people were like, this is a dangerous person. <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't have enough. Yeah. Like, of course, now when I write, that's all in my brain. I know. I can't get it out. I'm like, oh, this is going to make people, oh, people are going to hate this. Oh, here's another thing people disagree with. That's the horrible thing about writing today because I look back on my first book with such nostalgia for, and I was a better writer of books because I didn't have any of that in my head. Yeah. And it was fun. Yeah. You know, and once you know how nasty those people can be, I don't know. It never left me. Yeah. I constantly go, oh, that's not likable. Yeah. Oh, I gotta be more likable. Yeah. Oh, well, I wanna say that, but that sounds kinda judgy. Yeah. How can I pull it back a little bit? Yeah. Whereas when I wrote Sippy Cups, I was not trying to pull it back for anyone. I was on a mission to like go screw these people and screw these people and screw those people. And I I connected with people accidentally. Yeah. Because nobody thought I was talking about them. Right, right, right. You know, all the judgy things I would say, people are like, I know, aren't people like that? Not me, but other people are like that. Yeah. So it was fun. We all got to like be in on this joke together. But now I'm trying so hard. The people that didn't like the book were the people that were like, how, she's talking to me. Right. She's telling me. How do you, how dare you say don't make your own baby food? Screw you! I'm a mom who cares about my kids. Yeah. Of course, I'm going to make my own baby food. Right, the self righteous yeah, parenting. Yeah, You know. Yeah. Which is a thing. But I feel like for all writers, we have to. I have to work at getting that voice out of my head, or I get stuck. I just sit there and I can't write. But yeah. I have to go read Anne Lamott's Bird by Bird over and over and. Like, yeah, I mean, my problem, and it's sort of like what you were saying, is. I can't read books on writing because they make me think it's too hard. You know, even though I've done it. Yeah. But her book is not Yeah, I tried on writing. I know, but I still couldn't do it for some reason. Her book helps me. I read it at the gym. Mm-hmm. I get the and it helps me to just go. She basically says, just stop worrying about everything, just sit down and write three hundred words. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that helps me. I just go, okay, I don't have to write the whole book today. Yeah. Well, you know what helped me with that was, because I had always been like, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book, and I never did. And then once I was a few years sober, I thought, you know, the same thought, I can't write a book. And then I was like, well, but I could write, you know, three pages a day. And it was this one day at a time thing until you get to the halfway point, and then it's fun. Now, how did you sell your first book? I had a Cinderella story too, but not as Cinderella as yours, uh, which is that I wrote it um, over however long, maybe nine months, and then literally the week I finished, I got two random emails from two different agents who had read, because I've been doing so much magazine stuff, uh-huh. and they said, you're funny, you're good, let me know if you ever have a book, and I emailed them both back and said, I li- literally do have a book, and then um, I and then I chose the woman, and she sold it right away. Wow. Yeah, and and then then it all went to hell when Regan Books fell apart. But oh, so that was that was your first company. Yeah, yeah. So, but it was amazing, and I just thought, you know, like everybody thinks on their first book, like this is it. Well, first of all, I'll never be sad again. Right. Sold a book. Of course. You know? You're a published author I've now. I've made it. Have you ever heard of a published author that has a day of sadness? Yeah. No. You're done. Like, you've hit your dream. Well, and also then, that, I think that movie Down With Love, I don't know if you ever saw it, it's Renee Zellweger and Ian McGregor. Anyway, she's a writer, okay. and she's like the toast of the town, and she okay. and her agent go around and just like have the greatest time. And so I was just like, oh, that will be my life. And I didn't listen to anybody who said, oh, right. you know, books. Or what about Sex in the City? Well, yeah. When Carrie has her book, and she's on the cover of bu- on buses. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Did that just bug you? Yeah, but I, yeah, I don't think I had done mine yet. I can't remember being irritated by that, but oh, I but was I was like, that's not how, it, nobody has huge book parties for you. Nobody. I think nobody. they used to. Before, before you know, we got into it. Oh, I think even for people's first book. Yeah, maybe not. I maybe mean, most only on TV. Don't do well. I know. So what, if book companies do a party for every author's book, yeah, they're wasting a lot of money. What? But yours did really well. It did do well, but that it's because I got myself on the Today How'd Show. How'd you do that? So. Um, my husband used to work in talk shows. Mm-hmm. So even though um, Simon Spotlight, which was my company, was sending the book out, it was getting turned down, mm-hmm. which uh, as it will, as no one had ever heard of my name. Yeah. Of course, I thought it would be easier to, I, I, like, yeah. I have a book coming out. Yeah, 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 I know. Even though it was paperback, right. my first book came out in trade paperback, which my new book is coming out in paperback too. At the time, I didn't know any difference. So yeah. I was like, why are people not like rolling out the red carpet? I like, know, I have the hello. same reaction. It's a book. Right. It's funny. Right. Let's get going on this. Like, let's right. not miss opportunities for me to be on The View and other shows. <laughs> totally. So my book PR person was like, yeah, they're, everyone's passing. Yeah. She's like, but I'm going to be able to get you on. Oh, don't worry. You know, we'll like, get we'll you, get you a radio station. Yeah. Like a local radio. Right. 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 Um, which I think my book sales went down yeah. during the radio tour. So my husband was like, "Well, let me send it to let me send it to a couple of my friends. Some of his, you know how dudes are. They have old friends. They might not have seen their friend in ten yeah, years. Yeah, and they're not mad that you haven't talked to them. In no, they don't yeah. get mad. Yeah. They're just like, "Hey, good to hear from yeah. you. Oh, you want something? All right, let's yeah, see if I can hook you up." Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So his friend was like, "Send me the book." He sent it to two different people who had a connection with somebody at the Today Show. They sent it to someone at the, that person. That person liked the book. So the guy calls my husband and says, hey, so-and-so likes the book. They want to talk to you. Amazing. So we made the connection. And then she was like, yeah, I think we wanna, we're want to. we going to do it. We want to put you on the show. 
I think my pub, my publicist at right. the book company was completely blown away. Yeah. She was like, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. And then they, like, lost their shit. Like, they were just like, oh, my God. Like, then there was, like, emails going out. And yeah. All these inner office. Like, all of a sudden, people were very focused on what I was doing, and they were so excited about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas That's before, And then, here's what happened. I got on the Today Show, and it was in, like, the prime spot. No one could believe it. They thought, well, you're going to get on, but it'll be the 9 o'clock hour. Yeah, yeah. No, I got on in the 8 o'clock, like, at 8.30, this prime time. I had a one-on-one with Natalie Morales, Mm -hmm. who was like, I read your book. It's really funny. Mm -hmm. And then I got to, I had, uh, not pre-interviewed myself, but I really planned out as a comedian. I planned out every question they asked. I set myself up for a joke. So like every, they said, okay, these are the questions we're going to ask. I was like, okay, I got, I took a line out of the book and put it into the conversation. So I had a great segment for my, and I was super nervous, but I had a stand-up background. Yeah. So I didn't come off as nervous. Yeah. I came off as conversational. I have the Today Show. I do the thing. It's live. Then the book goes up to like number 21 on Amazon within like a couple of hours. And then the book company was like all about it. Yeah. They were just so excited. And, and then, then they, they can book you stuff. a lot. Yeah, then from I got that. on like yeah. Fox and Friends, and I got wow. on ABC News, like in that same while I was in New York. Wow. And then they they got me the radio tour, and that's it. Was after that that um, I said I want to go to this blogging conference and do a book signing. And they were like, great, and yeah. they paid for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then that because of that book, I got a two book deal after that because that book did well. Mm-hmm. Now the second book was a parenting book. It did not as well as the first one. Right. The third book was a book of S personal essays, which tanked. Nobody wants to buy personal essays. They don't books. want that. I don't and lie. I try to tell people that yeah. that's when they tell me that's, that that's all they want to do. I, I know. I know. Nobody it's cares so unless weird. you're famous. But it's so weird because everybody has a short attention span. So why would they not want essays? You would think. And my essays, I are really good. Yeah. Because I'm a perfectionist. Yeah. So I really wrote honest. I mean, I was like bared my soul and was funny and I told all kinds of embarrassing stories about doing crack and about you did crack I well I smoked crack with some other people how did I miss this because it was an accident it was during my cocaine doing yeah and I didn't know that I was smoking uh, freebasing I was freebasing what did you think you were doing I don't know I thought I was smoking cocaine yeah 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 I just didn't (laughs) know that Listen, I'd never even gone to college. I wasn't, I didn't have a big drug history or experience yeah. with it. So there was a bunch of friends and they were like, look, we're doing this with, we have this pipe yeah. and we're going to smoke it. It's better this way. Yeah. And I did it and I got really messed up and just, just really not, it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. I got like super nervous and just like tense and it wasn't a good experience. And then the guy was like, we almost had to call the police, but we couldn't call the police because we knew we'd been doing drugs. Right. But this guy was like threatening to go get a gun. It oh was insanity. I wrote about that. Yeah. I used everything I wrote about getting fired for. I got, at one point in my restaurant waiting tables career, I got fired from three or four restaurants in the space of a month. Wow. One that I'd been working at for a year and a half, got fired from there, went to another place. Within two weeks, I got fired from there, went to another place, and I got fired on the first night. <laughs> so I wrote Drinking that Drinking related or no? No, just... Um, Attitude. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what's funny? I always say I got fired from people for my alcoholism. And what I mean is that... <laughs> from I, People Magazine? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, That's that was a, that was a brutal firing. Um, but 
I oh and the add to add insult to injury, I wasn't even on I wasn't even really working there. Oh really? I was a full time freelancer. Oh and, and I Do you know Julie Jordan? I do. She was there then. Oh my god. She was my first mommy friend. Oh really? Yes. Really? Yeah. And then when we're off the air I'm gonna tell you something else. Oh can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. I might have some stuff to contribute to. <laughs> um but but so, and, and I say it was my alcoholism that got me fired because I was terrified. I didn't know how to do that job. Mm. And I didn't know how to tell anybody that. <laughs> and so I just acted like I knew everything, which was the way I had learned to cope. Right, right, and right. And then right. I got very angry if anybody pointed out that I had made a mistake. Right. And they right. rightfully said, this is not acceptable. Bye. You know, and I didn't know then that everybody gets fired at some point. Right. And I had, you know, serious alcoholism. And so I thought, in all my like black and white thinking, well, I'll, I'll never, magazines are done. I can't write anymore. No, so I went really. and got an assistant job in the, in the film at Disney because I thought, like, you know, I, nobody will ever hire me because they'll all hear that I was fired. Right, right. Um, and as we talked about earlier, no, it's usually those people, if you can keep some confidence about it, it's yeah. those people that end up rising to the top. I totally, <laughs> totally. I didn't know that was going to be my first firing. You know, right, I thought that right. was like, that was the biggest thing. Oh ever. yeah. The first time I got fired in the TV, I got fired all the time as a waitress. Mm -hmm. I was kind of used to it. Mm -hmm. First time I ever got fired in television was devastating. Mm -hmm. the same thing. I was like, I'll never work again. Yeah. People find out about this. Mm -hmm. You know, there must be something very wrong with me if I can't keep a job. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. When it's funny because when I got fired from the fix, as I was telling you, it was the most devastating thing that had ever happened to me. That same month, I had a sponsee that got fired, and I and I knew someone else who got fired. They were they're the two smartest people I know, and I thought, wait a minute, maybe this isn't actually about who's good. Right. It's you know, not. maybe some of those people were too good. For that environment and that was yeah. threatening you know it was definitely the case in both of them I try to think about all the people that I know that are horrible at their jobs mm -hmm. and don't get fired yeah, it's so true and I go so there really isn't fairness no it's not like people are so quick to fire people who suck yeah no they're not so, at all you know chances are I didn't suck it was something else well yeah and like we were talking about before it's like the people who are really good at kissing up to the right people you know can be terrible at their jobs and yeah and stay there forever yeah um, so, okay, wait, but, so wait, you were telling something super interesting. Okay, I feel like it was, it was books, and then, okay, and so then you, when in that did you get sober? So you're writing these books that are basically endorsements of mommy's drinking, right? Yes, yeah. And, and I really believed that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I got my first book deal, mm -hmm. and, and I was, uh, only had my first daughter, she was only four months old when mm -hmm. I got the deal and started writing it. So probably wrote it between her being six months old and like a year old. Mm -hmm. Then I got my second deal, so then I was writing, even though the second book, Nap Time's the New Happy Hour, I think I was starting to have an inkling that mm -hmm. I was, maybe this could be a problem. Mm -hmm. And when they sent me the cover art for the second book, it was like this um, diaper bag, just filled with like a huge bottle of rum and a huge bottle of gin and I'm right. like hey guys guys right <laughs> I'm gonna look like such an alcoholic and yeah. they're like oh we thought it looked fun like right. we needed to fill the diaper bag and I was like well how about some like baby accoutrements like how about a diaper right, right. <laughs> it doesn't have to all be liquor you know right. I only got them to take out like a few of the bottles like it was still like two bottles of wine and right. that one makes me cringe a little bit because like as a mom who doesn't drink 
Yeah. Like, man, I was just a walking advertisement. For yeah, like, but that was what makes you super useful and inspiring to people. Well, that was the only reason people were very interested when I stopped drinking. Oh, yeah. It got picked up by... It was very embarrassing. Didn't you go on the Today Show again for that? I've done a lot of talk shows about yeah. it. But what happened is I got out. I got sort of outed. Wow. Not like I'm that important, but what happened is I wrote a blog post on my blog. Now, nobody really read my blog. It was like 500 people mm-hmm. read it. That's it. I would get like 500 hits in a day. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not nobody. It's good it's for a blog, you know. For my own personal yeah. private blog. Yeah. It was most... So I had, after the incident where I drove drunk... I was like, I need help. I went to with my friend to a meeting. I was like, this, I'm for sure. Mm-hmm. I was done. Mm-hmm. You know, some people, they're not sure. Yeah. I've already been down that road. I was, I knew that I was done. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say like for, like, yeah, that I didn't still do one day at a time. But I mean, at that moment, I was like, I cannot go back. Mm-hmm. This is, if I do, I'm choosing drinking over my over having a husband, over my kids, mm-hmm. over their a happy life. Yeah. You know? So I really knew that that's what I was doing. I went to AA. I mean, you know, twelve step, and then um, I wrote a blog post about it. Okay, and then now, meanwhile, I'm like eight days sober at this point, mm-hmm. like a week. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I wanted to write about it. I didn't write like I, my name's Stephanie, and I'm an alcoholic. I just wrote, listen. Um, this is where I've been. I've been drinking at night, like a, more than a few glasses of wine. I'm checking out every night. It's not good. I have a problem, mm-hmm. and I'm outing myself right now. I have a problem, and I'm, I quit. I quit on Friday. Mm-hmm. Now this must have been like maybe Monday, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever. And then all these people were writing me on the blog and going, "Oh my God, that's like me too." Right. And like, you, I struck a chord with people. Well, somehow the blogging the um, columnist for the New York Times. You remember Lisa Belkin? Yeah, and the name. And yeah. Motherload was the New York Times right. parenting column. I didn't know this. She wrote a story on me. That was her... I can't believe she didn't contact you. She didn't contact me. She did apologize to me, but not for a long time. Mm-hmm. We, a couple of years later, we mm-hmm. were together, and I was like, you know that really devastated me. Mm-hmm. You know, All of a sudden, I was getting emails from Good Morning America, Dr. Phil, all these people. And I was like, I was driving home. I had gone to do stand-up somewhere with my friend and I'm coming home and all of a sudden I'm like getting all these emails and I don't know. And somebody had gotten my phone number, like my phone was ringing at home and I was like, what's going on? And apparently, yeah, I had to Google myself right. to find out why, how people would possibly know. Wow. And I Googled myself and it came up that I was that the article in the motherload and all these comments that were like, yeah, yeah. she doesn't deserve to have kids and like, what uh. a horrible mom and what a narcissist and just like really mean. I'd been sober like 10 days. That's horrible. That's at that crazy. Point. So I, you know, whatever, I returned these emails and I was like, no, no, no. We're not coming on any TV shows and talking about anything. I barely, two weeks sober. Um, and then I just like worked on myself and I ignored that for a while. And then my book agent said, this woman from the New York Times wants to do a story on you. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to be exploitive. This was, I've been sober like four months. Mm-hmm. But she wants to do a story on you and just of the fact that you wrote these books about drinking mm-hmm. and that you've gotten sober. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't want it to be a mean or like expose. She's a columnist. Mm-hmm. And so I read something else that she'd written and I was like, 
pretty good. Mm -hmm. And so I agreed to it. And my book people were like, look, it might be nice to get like, because now it's been written, you haven't had any control over it. It might be nice to tell your story. Yeah. You don't have to know anything. So I did this story with her. It was great. It was on the front page of the style section, of the Sunday style section of the New York Times. And then that is when I started getting asked to, then I did Dr. Oz. And I just tried to keep it to just my story. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to teach anybody. Mm-hmm. It was like, this is what happened to me. And the reason why I would agree to do it is because so many women would write to me afterwards, mm-hmm. moms, and go, I think I drink too much. What should I do? Mm-hmm. I think I have the same problem. I see myself in your story. And I just felt like, wow, this is helping women see that they're not alone. Yeah. You know, because... Until now, we, like just the way we think about alcoholics. Yeah. And especially moms. It's so taboo. I know. I know. And it's, it's yeah, it's so good that people are seeing that. And I mean, and who knows about those nasty people? They're in denial. You know, why do you get so angry if this has yeah. nothing to do with you? Right. Um, it's like those anti-program people. It's like most of them tried the program and it didn't. They didn't like it or it didn't work. Right. Or why are they so angry? Right. You know? How about that woman? Remember the woman that um, wrote, like, was one of the main people that you're, that Gail or whatever yeah, was Gabrielle. in cahoots, Gabrielle was in cahoots with? The woman who was like, all AAs is people that are trying to, like, prey on women. Oh, I read, I, no, I don't know her name. I mean, I've definitely you know what seen I'm, that. The story yeah. that I'm talking about. I think it was so. one woman who wrote a book about... How horrible oh, AA yeah. is because it's all men trying to like because women get raped all the time. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, what? I I mean, yeah. In what universe are you just getting raped at an AA meeting? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I understand that yes, women are vulnerable, and you Absolutely. have to be careful of that. You have to be careful of that anywhere. Absolutely. Like, and yeah, you shouldn't just go home with some guy you met at a meeting because yeah. he's like. Hey, I want to talk to you about drinking. And the and steps, yeah. <laughs> no, that's, I, I find that so strange. And I mean, it's usually people who, do, who don't know anything. Even people who write good books that talk about the program they're, and go to a couple meetings. It's like, it's one of those things. I assume it's like Fight Club. It's like, unless you're <laughs> doing it, you cannot right. understand it. Right. So it's, impo- and then if you're doing it, you're not supposed to talk about it. Right. So afraid, those things prey into people's fears because well, I'm a person who's very anti-cult. Yeah. And I was my main worry was like, I don't want a bunch of people just talking in slogans and trying right. to get me to like do a bunch of obey a bunch of rules right. that are like weird and and obviously it's nothing like that. But that's what I was very afraid it was going to be. Yeah. Well, a bunch of people that were like Stepford like in their love of, you know, of terrible cliches and right terrible lives. Right. That's what I thought too. And it's a little culty, except for there's no money involved, which really is what is the difference. I mean, uh, for something to be a cult, somebody has to be a leader and they have to be profiting. Well, yeah, and it's like, well, people will say, oh, if it's brainwashing, my brain needed washing, you know, is sort of one of those cliches. But, but yeah, I mean, except that it's all good one. I haven't heard that. Yeah, one, take, take it, own it, <laughs> trademark it. But, but you know, it's it's so amazing to me that has just not been my experience at all. Um, I get I've that been there raped are like two or three times. Well, I was raped, but I was a newcomer. Okay, I mean, not not that we're joking about rape. We're not joking about rape, but like, but just yeah. I mean, and, and I don't feel. Oh, what about all those people that say that women are discriminated against? 
in program because the language is is you know right about men right it's just like that never crossed well, I rewrote my mind. the whole book and then had it typeset and oh good you know, can I have a copy <laughs> just for women yeah. yeah I mean it's just so I know. strange to me but again to me this is just people coming up with a reason and even today if I read the fix yeah there's some anti I get a little triggered I go no like, I know maybe I read something recently. I don't. Do you still read it ever? No, or like, not really. It? Well, somebody no. wrote something about the fact that, and this has been talked about before on there, that most people that are alcoholics, if left to their own devices, will get better on their own. Have you ever heard that one? Uh, oh, I mean, <laughs> yes, and and it's. And then of course I go, wow! I'm sure given a lot of time to trying to devoted to working on my alcoholism if it's just going to get better on its own if I just moderate a little yeah, yeah. If I just drink a little I know eventually I really wouldn't be enough and I don't know how to like people write that well I, I don't, don't know that those people there are sober or alcoholics and I think that there is you know like you have to I think with a site if you're trying to appeal to everybody right you're gonna you're gonna um not have a, a specific voice Right. And you're not going to have a specific opinion. What we do with After Party, I make an effort to always have... I have one of my main writers writes for me twice a, twice a day. She is not into AAA, and she writes about it. And, and, but she does it with such a measured tone, and she was in it for a She's long not time. Stay so no, obviously. All <laughs> we do is judge people who are not in the program. And don't I do love that you have my same sense of humor. Yeah. Everything I mean, I've said, no matter how dry, you've just I you, know. You know I was joking. I love that. Well, of course. That's I mean, so I rare, knew though. You we, know that's rare, right? It is. I mean, I knew we were simpatico before, and I just felt like, well, and people have suggested you for this podcast for oh, a really? long time. Oh. And I was like, oh no, she she doesn't like me. Like I can't ask oh, her. So, so it was funny. just that you re you saw you reached that Facebook question, and two seconds later, I was like, oh my god, will you do my podcast? <laughs> you know. I know, and then I was so thrilled. I told my husband, I was like, oh, I thought she was irritated with me, but she's not. Yeah, no, I mean, never. Which would have been cleared up had I been at my own podcast, which I again, I'm sorry about. No, that then was we fine. Then no, we I, was about it then I was relieved. I was relieved because I was like, oh, I. You know, like she doesn't like me. Thank God, I don't have to like deal with this right now. You know what I mean? Right. Alcoholics are fun with what we I come know, up right? with in our heads. Right. Yeah. Um, this has been such a delight. I feel like we're coming towards the end. It's like way longer than I normally go. Oh, because really? Because oh. it's so fun. I know it's really fun. Uh, is there anything else that you want to say? Um. Hmm. Well, I don't know. Oh, oh, I want to say that um, if anybody's listening, that's a mom. Mm -hmm. That I. Well, I started this group. It was a Yahoo. What happened is really quickly, I on my blog, I started doing this Don't Get Drunk Friday mm -hmm. where I would have different ones of my friends tell their story, different mm -hmm. moms tell a story or dads sometimes. And then people would comment so much that I was like, these people need a place to go talk to each other mm -hmm. because it's not on my blog where they're just going, hey, anonymous who wrote right. at 3.32 right. p.m., I agree. So I started this Yahoo group called the Booze Free Brigade. Okay. And that it can be found, I don't know, if you Google Booze Free Brigade, it's like a health dot be, I don't know. Do you have to be a mom? You don't have to be but a it's mom, but it's, 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 yeah, no, you definitely don't have to be a mom. And you don't even have, you don't even have to be a dad. You can be a guy, too. Mm -hmm. We have all kinds. Um, 
but it's mostly women. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you don't have to be a mom. It was more like women. But anyway, and then that branched off into a Facebook group that we have too. And from that Facebook group became another podcast called The Bubble Hour. Like all oh, this that's what The Bubble Hour is. Yeah, that came out of the Booze Free Brigade. Oh, okay. Some people started The Bubble Hour. Okay. Which is the bubble is what people refer to as their like protection. Yeah against drinking that night so whether it's like your tv shows and your sparkling water and your what's getting your bubble like get your stuff around i assumed it was the bubble like that you know that you're in a bubble because you are in denial about no no no. it's it's how do we create our bubble so we're protected against drinking like our friends we make our phone calls we text right right have whatever i haven't been on that podcast nor have I, to be honest, have I listened to it ever. But right. it's just stemmed out of this whole, like, there's a community out yeah. there. So if people are looking for some support, there's, besides your yeah. website and this podcast, there's, um, you know, just this is, the, the Yahoo group is just a message board. Mm-hmm. But so that you can go, you know, hook up with some like-minded do it do it i yeah. know there are moms who listen and women and men yeah. um you know because they write me and gay so. men gay men whatever yeah whatever you're doing do you know if, if you're you drinking drink. yeah you're you're welcome there oh my god so much fun thank you really again. fun thank you for having me super wasn't she great didn't you love her and want to be her best friend well maybe you can be Follow her on social media, listen to her podcast for crying out loud. And if you're new to me, thank you for listening. See you next time.